welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week, instead of a regular episode, we are doing a special episode talking about The Good Place. We took it to our patrons to see what they wanted to hear us do a new special episode on, and our newest patron, Dallas, was super excited about The Good Place, and we're super excited about The Good Place, so we decided we would do that one first. So, why don't we, should we start with pros? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we usually do, talk about things that we like, which are going to be many for this episode. We'll, of course, talk about some missed opportunities, some things that we think could have been done better. But I think one of the the first things that come to mind when I think about The Good Place is the diverse cast. Mm -hmm. Of the six main characters, three are played by white people. Mm -hmm. And of the four humans, human characters, only two are American, and one of those Americans is Filipino-American. I think that having characters like Tahani and Jason Mendoza and Chidi, really, really amazing characters, a great diverse cast, which is appropriate for the way that the show's created. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and it's great, too, because it has the added trickery level of John Yu was a Taiwanese Buddhist monk, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, Jason Mendoza is not that, because heaven's so racist, as he said. Which is just so perfect. (laughs) Yes, amazing. Yeah. P.S. We are spoiling everything. Oh, yeah. If you haven't (laughs) watched The Good Place... Sorry for spoiling the third episode. (laughs) We're going to be spoiling a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. You should probably go do that right now. Not just to hear our episode on it, but just to enrich your own life. So, yes. And yeah, so if you're looking at the afterlife in these characters in the afterlife, I think it's it's appropriate to not have it just be a bunch of Americans in the afterlife, Mm -hmm. which I, I like a lot. Yeah, I also, I really love that. So often you see shows that it's like, oh, well, we're only going to have one Asian main character, if that. And so we're going to choose between South Asian or East Asian. Mm. More frequently, uh, Filipinx people are, are being in American shows as well. So you're getting Southeast Asian in there. But yeah, here it's like they're not choosing. Totally. Like both. Uh, which which should be the case. So, yeah, I, I definitely really appreciate that. And not only just the diversity of the cast, but, like, they were so well cast. Yes. Yeah, they just, they do such a good job with the characters that it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a delight. Which, for a show of, in which the, the main six characters only Kristen Bell and Ted Danson are really known actors. Mm-hmm. To have every single one of them be so good and so funny in such Mm -hmm. different ways is, is, yeah, they just did a great job of of casting the show. Absolutely. Another aspect about about that, though, is is not only is the cast good, but I think that the the way the characters are written is so good because Mm -hmm. they all are so distinct and... And I love how after the twist in season one and you find out that they're all in the bad place, you, you can clearly interpret how each of them are bad, in quotes, in very different ways. Absolutely. Where Eleanor is just a selfish, like, <laughs> trash <Jerk>. person. <laughs> like, she is very, very awful just in the way that the rationale behind the things that she chooses to do. Mm-hmm. She chooses to be a jerk. Whereas someone like Jason doesn't really choose to be a jerk. He just ends up being a jerk. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He has no malice in Mm -hmm. any things that he does. He just also doesn't think about consequences. 
and that often leads to hurt for other people and himself. But well, and what they bring up is like he has no impulse control. Exactly. Like he doesn't see it. Is this a good thing to want? Is this a bad thing to do? You know, he, he just doesn't think about that. He just yeah. does. When the question for Eleanor comes up of, should I do this? This is bad. Mm-hmm. She mostly just says, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. The question doesn't come up for Jason. Yeah. She had the voice in the back of her exactly. head. He doesn't have that voice. <laughs> Um, Tahani is self-centered and so she can be giving, but her intentions are themselves skewed. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect for our social media age where it's just like, let's be photographed doing charitable things Mm -hmm. uh, rather than doing it anonymously, doing it because it's the right thing to do, you know? Absolutely. You could be doing good work, but that doesn't mean that you're doing it for a loving reason. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Chidi is just indecisive. He thinks so much about everything that it leads to harm for all those around him. Yeah. It's a really great way to show that there's so many ways to not be loving with the best and and the worst intentions. Totally. Yeah. And I think it even goes a step further, even though it doesn't really highlight this structurally, but Michael is another form Mm. of being bad where he's a demon and he tortures them for the first season and a half. But ultimately, once he starts befriending them and once he starts understanding humanity in a a more robust way, it's clear that the demons torture humans because they're told humans deserve it. Mm -hmm. And sure, they also take joy out of it. So there's some sadism involved. (laughs) But, you know, I think that, that, that goes into ideas of the way people are socialized and indoctrinated to hate yeah. others and uh, and to believe that others deserve inhuman treatment, you know, he, he had the kind of The humans are himself. just cockroaches. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's so good. It is really good. I mean, another pro is just like, it's a TV show about moral philosophy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great and makes me so happy. That's never been done. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be done again, but it's, it is so important. And so there's the Good Place podcast that uh, the host of it is the actor who plays Sean. And he has like cast crew and stuff on, uh, on the show talking about each episode. And one of the episodes was talking about like how kids are learning about ethics Mm. and morals through this show which is also really cool yeah the fact that it can teach us yeah exactly and never in a way that is trying to say this is the right thing i think that it it is firmly in the stage of be loving is right but Mm -hmm. with the nuances and intricacies of decision making and, and making choices when they're complicated it never tells you oh this philosophical pathway is the correct one it's raising these important questions letting the this the characters explore through them without having to say and thus utilitarianism mm-hmm. i mean and, and that's the thing right that's why chidi has such a hard time mm-hmm. making decisions because he's studied all of these different philosophers and all of their different conceptions of what is good and what is right and what is loving and because he has read all of it, he understands the merit behind mm-hmm. all of these different 
viewpoints and it makes it really difficult to be like this is the only answer here exactly also i think it's just it's so cleverly written like how the plot progresses that it's always a few steps ahead Mm. so i remember multiple times when watching it the first time i'd be like oh okay so this is what the show is like the rest of the season is gonna be like and then two episodes later everything is different i was like oh okay, so I guess this is what the rest of the season is going to be like. And they they kept kind of transgressing the norms of storytelling mm. and, and what a progression would be with a plot and a narrative. They just threw all of that out the window and did their own thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it especially subverts the, the sitcom format, this, this mm-hmm. idea of a situational comedy, which, you know, today have more serial storytelling than they did 20 years ago. Absolutely, yeah. But still, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, at the end of the day, all the characters are still going to be cops working at the Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here, it comes up with this perfect establishment for if they wanted to go into a situational comedy where Michael can just make them forget and make them start over every time. Mm-hmm. And, you can, and we could have a show of all 800 versions of their afterlives in the good place which i wouldn't have been sad about yeah I, i'm sure it would have been <laughs> a part of me sad that we don't have that <laughs> totally but it wouldn't be breaking out of the set pattern of of what these shows are like yeah. exactly yeah yeah i also think like the relationships are just so good in it and it, it doesn't have to just be romantic right i mean cheating eleanor that's great yeah. and and there's some meaningfulness there for sure but then you have Janet and Jason, who are completely different beings, and yet to Janet, who knows everything in the universe, Jason probably isn't that different than (laughs) Eleanor or Chidi or any of them, right? Because all of them, their knowledge is so finite compared to hers. So it's like, it's about his heart. It's about him seeing her as a person when other people aren't seeing her as a person they're seeing her as a robot which she isn't you know yeah absolutely i think that that the relationships are and and the friendships are so amazing and and also themselves diverse they they have these different kinds of uh friendships that all have their own nuances based off of who those characters are in ways Mm -hmm. that yeah are are really fun and funny but also very heartwarming to see one one of the scenes that came to mind was when jason and janet are getting married (laughs) and eleanor and tahani are both there and it's you know does anyone speak against this and they're both like yes this is an awful (laughs) idea but they're still there to cheers it you know they they, so they they call them out (laughs) they they say their disagreement in a funny way but they're also there with them Mm -hmm. and it's just it's yeah i think it's sweet and kind and shows the ways that these characters who are so different can interact in ways that are genuine and caring Mm -hmm. Um, even despite those differences. And also Janet and Michael's relationship, I think is really special as well because Janet doesn't cry when she says goodbye to any of the others. Mm. And maybe she can't even actually cry. But when she says goodbye to Michael and he goes through the door to become human, you know, that's when she gets choked up. And yeah, it was just, it, it was a really cool relationship that at the beginning of the show I didn't expect to see. Absolutely. 
And and I think that they the two of them in particular also illustrate how the show has a wide definition and a wide view of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Where Michael is a demon who is obsessed with humans but doesn't <laughs> understand it. And his his journey is ultimately to become human himself. I think one of the, the most poignant episodes is the one in which he realizes what it means to know that you will die someday Mm -hmm. and how that affects humans. And it goes into this like midlife crisis and existential crisis kind of jokes, which are are great, but that's such a turning point for him because for the first time he can really understand why ethics are important, why thinking about your actions is important. and Or why it can even be difficult to just do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And his journey throughout that and his his missteps throughout the rest of the series are, are so, so good. And then Janet is someone who is, you know, one of the things that, that Michael Schur, I think, talks about on the Good Place podcast is that she's defined by what she's not. She's mm-hmm. defined by she's not a robot. She's not a girl. She's not a human. But she is something wholly unique. That is fascinating. And seeing her develop and her take on all these different personas and these different personalities and the personalities of the four humans in that one really great episode. It's amazing to see and, and makes me at least reflect on, yeah, what it means to, to be human and what it means to be different, what it means to be human in a way that I can't actually understand because it's not my experience. Yeah, I think not only does it explore ethics and morality, it also explores that idea of what does it mean to be human and I think it has a really beautiful take on it of like messing up and trying not to mess up and then messing up again and then trying to fix it and you know it's this idea of trying to be a little bit better today than you were yesterday yeah that's a really beautiful idea and it's also like I don't know if we want to get into it yet but like that final episode you know with this meaning and beauty that can be a part of endings I think is really powerful and and that that Buddhist concept of of the water and the wave and like it was just like oh so good I just can't and also bringing back the what do we owe to each other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is such a beautiful through line for the series as well and having it be yeah a negotiation between what you owe yourself and what you're ready for and what you owe the people around you mm-hmm. and what you want from them and what you want for them. When you have literally anything you want at your fingertips, but the one thing that you cannot control are other people, how that comes up in paradise, in heaven, in the afterlife. And uh, it's just explored in such poignant ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like this show. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, what other comedy show has ever been like that meaningful and did a new thing like they did? I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's so impressive. It's like, oh, I guess this show figured out the problem of an ethical afterlife. <laughs> they solved it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, did you have anything else or should we move into our cons? I guess the last one that, that kind of we, we brought up quickly but we didn't spend as much time on is uh, I think Jason Mendoza's character is is 
particularly interesting because he's one of those characters who is just so ignorant and so (laughs) uninterested in knowing things. But he does have such a high emotional and social intelligence. Mm-hmm. He is someone who can read people so well. One of the things that I, I noticed in this in the last episode is, is like, you're all sad. I know because you're making the same face my teacher did whenever I'd raise my hand, which <laughs> oh. is a great line. Oh, Jason. But also, like, he is able to read their emotions based off the emotions that he saw not only decades before he died, but mm-hmm. Baramis before, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that actual scene was taking place. And I think that that's really emblematic of what makes his character special, which is why he's able to humanize Janet in a way that other characters don't yet, and Mm -hmm. why he's able to always be supportive and there for folks, even if he doesn't know how to do that. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't understand the concepts, but he understands the relationships. Exactly. And so he can apply things in ways that others have a hard time doing sometimes, even though he has a hard time understanding a lot of a lot else. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that, you know, looking at their their lives on Earth, we see he's the person with the strongest relationships. Yeah. He's yeah. got Pillboy and Donkey Doug. He was able to have a 60-person dance crew. Exactly. Who can do that? <laughs> Who they can do clearly that aren't when you're also paid. Jason Mendoza? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that... Uh... <laughs> He's just a a, a brilliant character. Uh, Not he is brilliant, obviously, but (laughs) the character is a brilliant narrative and storytelling device. And the fact that in the end he gets to the place where he like does some monk type of thing is just kind of the perfect ending for him. Yeah, him him wanting to walk through the door and then being lost in the woods for a thousand years is... He's like the second to last person. To move on. Yeah. Yeah, It's just delightful. But he stayed because he wanted to make sure that she got the necklace Mm -hmm. that he made for her, you know. That loyalty, that commitment. And that it was worth it for him. Yes. Yeah. Even though waiting... Hundreds of baramies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But we've gushed about this show probably too long. We could go on with the prose for way longer. Or poetry. That yeah. Is in favor of it. Uh, now we'll move on to the cons. Okay. Just like that joke of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have? I mean, the first is that while it's amazing to have a show about philosophy and ethics, it is still heavily reliant on Western philosophers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think in particular, coming from a character like Chidi, I would have loved to see more African philosophers, more right, yeah. philosophers from the East who he, he kind of quotes at times, but never. We, I don't think we ever have a full episode about one of those kinds of concepts. Yeah, where's the Confucianism, the Taoism, exactly. yeah. I think that those, all of those are, are things that, that are really missed in taking this seriously as a kind of a global phenomenon. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it it really highlights that at the end where it's like, let's look to the East for this spiritual wisdom. Which I also wonder, is that itself exoticizing? Yes, that. But also, like, is that to say that the East then didn't have intellectual wisdom? Mm -hmm. Like, come on now, no. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's problematic. Yeah, I I agree with that for sure. One that's just kind of 
my own. It's not necessarily a con for the show, but to Hani and her pop cultural references, like I am just not <laughs> up to date on pop culture basically ever. So sometimes I just get a little bit lost. Like, I mean, I can get from context kind of what's happening. So in which case I think it wouldn't translate as well to other audiences that aren't one, either American or two, like super involved in pop culture. Absolutely. And it's also going to date the show. Yeah, one of my other ones is that in their discussions of good and bad behavior and the point system and all these other kinds of things, they they focus, I think, so much on interpersonal decisions and the way those decisions affect things in complicated ways, but they don't focus enough on building of structural inequalities, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what it means for someone to participate in, like, redlining systems where only white people are allowed to get home home loans. Mm -hmm. And so that leads to decades what could become centuries of inequalities or further economic inequalities. And so mm-hmm. these kinds of structural things that are so ongoing are kind of missed in what they talk about on the show. Yeah, it's like you can buy fair trade if you can afford to buy fair trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, oftentimes people who can afford to buy fair trade still don't, right? And so that would be more negative points totally. <laughs> compared to people who can't. But, like, you have to account for it that some people can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my missed opportunities for the show is just that it would have been really great for one of the main characters to be differently abled Hmm. because it could be a really exceptional critique on our society in ways that like things are just could be so much easier in this afterlife good place than it is to live in this world (laughs) um that's so true yeah yeah so i think it could have one not only add to the diversity and representation that the show does do well but also point out those problems that we have in society even more clearly exactly yeah I, i can imagine them using the point system to talk about this person who is making this choice when they are in completely different circumstances if they're differently abled you cannot judge them on the same way that you could judge someone making that choice if, mm-hmm. if they are able-bodied. And so, yeah, there's a lot of potential there that they, they didn't explore. Yeah. And, yeah, you could have great jokes about people going to the bad place who didn't want to have ramps or <laughs> elevators or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, people can definitely need and people still don't want to spend the extra resources on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think my last kind of con is something that I'm even mixed on, which is the representation of black characters on the show. Because we see two black characters, Chidi and Simone, who are, you know, substantial characters in the show, and both of them have PhDs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good representation to show that we can have our two smartest characters be black. That's great. I mean, besides Janet. Besides Janet, yes. <laughs> our, our two smartest humans. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. But at the same time, you know, it does also ignore the inequalities that do exist in our world, where because of structural racism and colonialism and all these other kinds of things, people who are black tend to be less likely to have a PhD than people who are white. Mm-hmm. And so when we are you know, trying to make this a discussion about the world as it is and the inequalities and immorality that exists in our world, 
I wonder if it would be more beneficial to have that kind of uh, a representation there. Um, but these, these are questions that I, as a white person, am interested in kind of reading more about what the black community is, has said about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do appreciate, though, that they have Jason Mendoza, that mm-hmm. he is clearly affected by his class and in this country that has false ideas of model minorities yeah. and not having, you know, it's like, oh, Asians have it easier and have higher incomes and stuff like that. Certain Asian groups have a higher household per capita income, but mm-hmm. other ones do not. Others can have a lower, you know, and Filipinox is not one of the ones that has the highest income. So I, I do appreciate it, at least that it's there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think my last one is in a show that's so smart about so many different things and calling out so many things that the fact that they had a luau in The Good Place, that is cultural appropriation. And all they needed to do was have one sentence when they find out a bad Janet was impersonating the good Janet would be like, oh yeah, and I planted that idea to like have a luau, you know, because a lay and different practices that can be involved in luau. like, these have certain cultural, historical, spiritual significances. Mm-hmm. And to just make it a party um, is something we commonly see in the United States, but it's a problem. So it would have been good to point that out. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, that often would wrap up our our discussion, but not we, for the good place. <laughs> we had a couple of fun discussions that we thought we would share, since there's so much fun things you can do to explore with the kinds of things that came up in the good place. Yeah, so we were thinking about that kind of bad place questionnaire that Michael gives Eleanor, mm-hmm. asking you like, "Have you ever committed like a violent crime or whatever? Have you ever?" Had a vanity license plate. and <laughs> Seen the rock, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> live, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we were thinking about, like, what are the things that would be on our list? Because some some of those are, like, just pet peeve type of things. Yeah. So, Chris, what, what do you have? Anyone who has ever spent time on the message board 4chan, and definitely <laughs> anyone who's been on 8chan, basically uh, 4chan and 8chan are places that were kind of built as free speech versions oh, of reddit got it. which essentially was like places for hateful people to be hateful oh, yeah. um no but that sounds like a real one i mean yes <laughs> some of these are are uh, 4chan in particular 8chan really is like just evil like there's also okay. been like child pornography and things like that on oh, there wow. 4chan is more of the place where it's just like if you are that kind of libertarian who's like no one should tell me what to do political correctness is bad like that kind of stuff which like is annoying and usually comes alongside really problematic things, but it's not, like, outright evil. Yeah, one of mine is just anyone who has said the sentence, I hate cats, unsarcastically, <laughs> would definitely get negative points in in my bad place questionnaire. Questionnaire? Questionnaire. Questionnaire. Yeah, yeah it's like the Imagineers at uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's like a Buccaneer version. <laughs> 
Yeah, I had a couple statements that I thought that it was like anyone who says this also. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that came to mind is also probably too serious because it's the anyone who says all lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> See, you just went with real things. I went with like actual pet peeves. <laughs> but the other one I had is more of a pet peeve, which is okay. anyone who says uh, history repeats itself. Because it's just like, no, that's not how history works, actually. It's the exact opposite of what the study of history is about, which is about contextualization and cause and effect. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another good one to add on to that is anyone who says, the Bible says. (laughs) That sentence isn't going to end well. No, it really isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Another one I have is anyone who names their kid after their own name Mm. (laughs) that's just like why (laughs) why are you doing that so they like literally just have your own name nope can't do it uh one i had was anyone who offers to pay an artist in exposure (laughs) yeah that's or it's That's like, come take pictures of, uh, be our wedding photographer. You'll get exposure from it or you'll get experience. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone who has seen a car waiting to turn and like doesn't pick up their pace or even like put the tiniest bit of effort into making it seem like they're picking up their pace. (laughs) You like move your arms more, you know, like- Like when you're a pedestrian. Exactly, exactly. To like show that I see you are waiting there and (laughs) I'm doing my part to make your wait shorter. Obviously people who can pick up the pace. What about like a, a wave to say thank you? Just like a, hey, I see you wave. But would you do that and still be walking super I mean, not super slowly, slowly no. Exactly. But no, like, I've when also people stopped, are walking, like, like, running unless it's red. No, no, you don't have to necessarily run, but just, you know, you go to a trot or, like, <laughs> you know, you again, you give the semblance. Like, yeah. It's like you at least are trying to communicate, I don't not care that you're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes me think of people who uh, turn their turn indicator on their blinker on when they've already started turning i know that you're going to turn right you already started doing that (laughs) see it bugs me more when they don't turn the blinker on at all at least they were like oops i guess i should make up for it (laughs) rather than like it is the most simple action in the world no it frustrates me more when i see it done (laughs) not done at all Also, anybody who's ever worn pants that say princess on the butt, (laughs) they definitely get some bad points. Yes, yes. Also on my list is uh, anyone who has assumed that you will be interested in their baby. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely one. No, I'm not interested in holding them. Not my interest. So don't assume it is. Thank you. Do you have any more? I think I'm out. So I only have one more that I I was thinking about, which is anybody who is ever scheduled a meeting before 11 (laughs) a.m. Definitely racking up some negative points on my side. Yeah, that's bad. It's just inappropriate is what it is. (laughs) But why don't we go into... Not the opposite, but the other side where it's like, what are good place perks that you would be really excited about? Yeah, I kind of saw this in two ways. Like one is like there's the magic of the afterlife where you can get anything you want. Mm -hmm. But there's also, I think, just the idea of having infinite time. 
Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like was thinking about it in two different ways. For the like afterlife goodies and magic and stuff, the first one that came to mind was being able to fly and explore the world that way. Like I've yeah. always wished you know, particularly like living in LA where there's lots of hills and freeways. And so getting traffic and traffic. Yeah. (laughs) And so getting anywhere is always pretty circuitous. You have to take these very specific routes and it makes me feel sometimes that I don't have a a real understanding of the geography of the area and the way Mm -hmm. that streets and neighborhoods and things kind of fit together. And so actually being able to like lift up in the air and discover things in ways that are more geographically grounded would be, I think, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I just thought of, as you were talking, a way to make that sort of idea, like, even nerdier. You know, flying, ooh, supernatural, right? Instead, it would be with other Harry Potter nerds reenacting things with actual, like, magic. So fun. That would be cool. Like, we could be- play, like, a Harry Potter role-playing game and actually do the actually magic. Do yeah, the LARPing in heaven would be <laughs> amazing. Right? <laughs> be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would also have my perfect pet cat forever. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Could you shrink down and, like, ride on its back? cute why not (laughs) why not i don't know if i'd want her to be able to talk though crap you were judging me this whole time i thought you just loved me you don't like my singing at you (laughs) (laughs) i think another one of mine is similar to to how Chidi continues his classroom with the actual philosophers and writers and oh, things yeah, like that. So cool. I would love to yeah, hang out with like other historians or like journalists and other folks who are like thinking about and writing about the things that I love to think and write about. <laughs> you have a history uh, class and then it's like, oh, special guest speaker, you know, whatever historical figure exactly. you're talking like, about. Oh, you actually lived through this. Tell me what it was like. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Or, and, and that would especially be fun in the new Good Place system where it's like, okay, Harry Chandler, publisher of the Los Angeles Times in the 1920s and 30s, uh, intense racist eugenicist. Uh, now that you have understood what <laughs> was evil system, about that, yeah. um, can you tell me a little you know, reflect a little bit on what it was like to be the most powerful man in Los Angeles at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be a little Tahani in some ways. Not necessarily, like, learning all of the skills. Like, I don't need to make my own furniture. It's not something I really feel compelled to do. But, like, I would love to be an architect. Mm. Uh, at least, you know, for a few baramies or whatever. And, like, you know, you, you get to design a neighborhood that is making some things that, like, really aren't that great. You're putting them on a pedestal as if, like, this is the best and this is paradise. But you're like, it's actually not. Or, like, oh, this could seem like the best, but I know for these four people it's not. Mm. You know, it just, it'd be a fun way to mess with people. And, you know, you can just do really cool creative things. Totally. Um, and, like, plan events that are just ridiculous. I also would love, and I think I could probably enjoy it for more Baramies. <laughs> would be being a a demon that gets to just mess with people for good. You know, it's like you're doing it for a 
good cause, a good reason. It's helping them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it would just be fun. I mean, I'm not like, okay, I don't want to be with Brent. No, I can't be the person that makes him be better. But, you know, making Tahani or Chidi or... Eleanor or Jason feel uncomfortable, oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, you know? yeah the medium people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if I if I just had infinite time, one of the things that I'd really love to do is part of it's kind of learning to cook, but more of it's like developing my palate and mm. like really understanding how different things taste. I feel like I'm so constrained by time and money that like when I'm cooking, I just cook something that is going to I know is going to work and and work with the ingredients I have. I've got less time to ex- and ability to experiment. But if I could cook the same thing twice with one kind of small change and t- you know see what's different about them, if I use more or less oil or add some saffron or add you know whatever it is, I feel like mm-hmm. I get a better idea of how these things interact than I do when you know in my current cir- circumstances. Oh, I would love to be able to. I mean, obviously the Bad Place version didn't do this because Jason <laughs> reacted to the... The yogurt? Yeah, yeah. The, the frozen yogurt that he ate. But in the real good place, I could just eat all of the cheesecake I wanted. <laughs> Calories aren't a thing and I'm not allergic to dairy and there aren't any environmentally bad effects of the dairy industry mm-hmm. and all of that. It's just like pure joy with no problems absolutely yes i could i eat would pasta all the time yeah. and not worry about getting heavier that would be my my vice of choice for sure <laughs> <laughs> know that we've learned to be better people let's bring gluttony back <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh yeah yeah and that, i mean for me the last thing i just spend forever reading books and playing games and listening to podcasts and doing all the things <laughs> I love to do now but feel like I don't have enough time to do to the extent I'd love to mm-hmm. yeah totally my last one would be just sitting around and talking with people like Soren Kierkegaard and mm. Suzanne Collins and Terry Pratchett and like reading all of their afterlife mm. books you know and just be like fun yes please well i think to finish up did you want to just talk about our favorite jokes from the series yeah favorite moments favorite jokes yeah Yeah. one thing that that was really the place that i fell in love with the show was the first time we were watching through and i think this is in the third or fourth episode when janet is doing fun facts (laughs) yes and when michael mentions christopher columbus and mm-hmm. she says, fun fact, Christopher Columbus is in the bad place for all the rape, murder, and genocide. <laughs> yes. I died. He, I was he lost it. so yeah. hard. Like, he was laughing so hard. I had to pause because I could not hear anything else that they were saying. And we had to, like, rewind and, like, wait until he had composed himself. It's one of the biggest laughs of my entire life. Yeah, like was, I was dying. It was so so funny. I mean, it was just it's it's great. It's, it's cuz so I mean part of it is like it's true it's a great joke like it makes sense, but mm-hmm. like her delivery yeah. of it was just like the fun fact aspect mm-hmm. of it was just like Mwah, chef's kiss <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was excellent. <laughs> Probably one of my moments like that was when Michael is having his afterlife 
midlife crisis <laughs> and he goes and gets like that ridiculous car mm-hmm. and, and he gets a tattoo and of course the tattoo is of kanji or chinese characters which white people like yeah, to do of course. um even though it's not their languages then <laughs> it gets to him at some point just explaining to one of the other people this is japan in chinese <laughs> like it's just so good because it's, so it's like i've seen that joke done otherwise but japan never this well. in japanese <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, just like exactly so ridiculous <laughs> and to just get japan as the country it's just like it's all so much and so hilarious and perfect <laughs> yeah it's it's delightful yes <laughs> One of the, the things that stood out to me in this last watch through was how in Brent's book, the character he named for Tahani is named Scarlet Pakistan. <laughs> it's just such a great bad name. Yeah. It's like the worst name. That whole book, basically, is the yeah. excerpts that they read from it was just like, <laughs> it might have been the most fun writing that any of the writers totally. did for the show. Yes. <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous, terrible <laughs> bad writing in the world also just the the ancient fahitian guy when they actually get to the good place that they talk to it's like so deadpan he died from a cut on his hand and then just like talking about how yeah it's like you could die from not heating water long enough. <laughs> and it's just like, I would have done anything for a vaccine, but now you just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just so on point, so hilarious. It all makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I think my, my last one is just the, the kind of peaks that we get of the other timelines. They all, like, are so good and they tell so much. Like, there's one that just has Chidi in a gelatinous ball, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they don't explain anything about it, yeah. but it's happening. Um, and I especially love, like, the... The, the cult robes one. The co- yes, what's going on <laughs> with the cult robes one. Like, all of those. And, and the kind of, like, montage of them finding out that it's the bad place. Yeah. All these different ways that, like, yeah, just this this wild stuff is going on, and Eleanor typically is like, we're in the bad place. And there's that one time Jason does, yeah. <laughs> and Michael's like, this is a real low point. <laughs> oh, so great. Yeah. One of my other favorite jokes, which also is one of your favorite jokes, Chris, is when Chidi was talking about, like, the schoolyard bullies that <laughs> teased him by saying he wouldn't make tenure. <laughs> Such a good joke. <laughs> still is. He's not even watching it. And he's just like, exactly. Oh, it's the most cheating thing in the world. <laughs> I love it. It's so excellent. As someone who has a lot of anxiety about probably never getting tenure, <laughs> it speaks to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I guess as a closing, do you have any kind of takeaway from the show? I think my takeaway and and, and the reason I love this show is that you can strive for lofty ideals of being loving and caring and good to each other and intelligent and, and nuanced and intentional, but that you can do so in a way that is still funny and focused on relationships between people who are problematic and who are imperfect. It's a show that I think is 
even though for the vast majority of the show, every person in the world for 500 years has been tortured, it's still an optimistic show. It's mm-hmm. a show that recognizes how awful things are and can be, and yet still has this idea that things can get better as long as you try. And I like that a lot. <laughs> that is like the most Chris message <laughs> that there could ever be. Your takeaway was in your true nature and my takeaway is in my true nature. Is that like <laughs> People are awful and should go to the bad place. <laughs> <laughs> no, not exactly. It's just that so many ideas of afterlifes in different religions are problematic in Mm. a wide variety of ways and i think this show really shows some of those shortcomings and what could be a better more fair more loving more compassionate way for this to look um i think is really important and in doing so not to say that they were the Doug Forsett and like they got it 97% correct (laughs) or whatever if anything after death exists you know but even if nothing after life exists I think that they touch on you know with that ending episode this more beautiful and comforting way to look at death as well that even if nothing exists further that they're in the good place and eventually people still choose to go through that door and to not exist anymore of people i don't think i'm that attached to my life compared to what probably most humans are but even for me this idea it does ease something it does make it seem more okay you know and and i don't think that any time when i will experience any type of death whether it's a friend a family member a pet if I'm if I know ahead of time going towards death for myself like that I won't think of this show Mm. and that I won't think of that analogy of the the water and and the wave and yeah I think that's significant not only for a show to do but for a comedy 25 minute show to do yeah absolutely yeah I like this show yes well thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of geek between the lines What will we be discussing next week when we return to our regular rotation? So we are going to be returning to Harry Potter, and we are going to be looking at the series through the theme of love. As someone going into finals season, uh, (laughs) that sounds great to me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description. And you can also send us an email at geekbetween at gmail.com. You can let us know your favorite moments from The Good Place or your bad place pet peeves list. Um, Absolutely. We'd love to know. (laughs) You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines where you can help us to pick future special episodes. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find our designs at lacelet.com or search for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Until then... Geek out. out.